Yesterday, I think, was the first Saturday that um, our family kind of had some time to be together and to eat together and to cook together at home, and I hope that this weekend you'll have a little bit of that time as well. Well, as we come together to worship this morning, tomorrow we celebrate Memorial Day, don't we? We celebrate this great day in our nation's, on, this, on our nation's calendar. And many people, they just see it what, as a, a third day off, right? They get that Monday off, and it's, and it's good. But those um, who have lost someone because of war or military action, it means so much more than just a day off. And in fact, every American should recognize this day out of our patriotic duty to our country and in honor of those who gave their very lives to make America what it is today. We know it to be free, we know it to be strong, and we know it to be a nation worth fighting for. No matter what we look at politics today, we know those things are fundamental to our nation. Well, because these men and these women have died for this country, we have the right to preach God's word, don't we? We have the right to worship him freely. We have the right to live at peace in our own homes, and we have the right to pursue peace, prosperity, and happiness. And today we set aside some time for those who have died to make us free. We're just going to take just a moment to think about those people in our family, those in our core family who have gone into military service. We have quite a few in our family this morning that are serving those that have gone before us, those of you who this morning have served on, on our behalf of our country. We're just going to take a moment and ask the Lord's protection upon those that are serving and to bless those as they are mourning the loss of those in our families. Well, as we prepare this morning to enter into this day of remembering of those who have died for our liberty, it's fitting to remember, I believe, the one who died and gave us freedom for our own sin, that being Jesus himself. Jesus gave his all, didn't he? He gave his all so that we might, each one of us, might have freedom and liberty in his holy name. And as I've been preparing this message for today, I've been thinking about memorials that we have in our lives. You might can think of some that you might even have in your own home or in your own life. Um, not only just graves, because yes, those are significant memorials that we have, but memorials that surround us in a tangible way. If you go just around the corner, we have whose memorial? A big statue. We have Buddy Holly right around the corner, a famous singer, don't we? Uh, we have memorials in our country for significant times. Of We have a significant memorial of 9-11. In Oklahoma City, we have a specific memorial set for the bombing that took place there. There is an MLK memorial. There's a Holocaust memorial. And we can name these memorials that we have all over our nation. We have memorials of those that we, that we love in our own families as well. We might have photos or plaques or um, we've given scholarships in honor of and many other things. But of course, those of, 
those that we have loved who have also been buried, those are significant memorials as well, aren't they? And you can probably think of some more that you have in your own family of those who are special to you that have gone on before you. But we're now surrounded in this space of worship, kind of like a memorial, you know, of the past and a space that allows us now to look into the future with great hope because of the goodness of our God. He, he was able to allow us to rebuild and to allow us to see the fruits of that. We had to wait a long time, didn't we? A long time in our, in our own calendar, but God has been so faithful to us. And this morning, I would like us to look into scripture as Janie opened the word to us this morning from Joshua chapter 4. One of the first memorials that scripture refers to in the Old Testament. And I believe that this memorial will help us today to focus on the freedom that Christ gives to each one of us. Let's just pause for a moment and just ask the Lord's blessing upon his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be in your presence Lord, today is the day of salvation. We believe today, Lord, that your presence is amongst us. And Lord, today we give you all the praise and honor and glory for what you have already done in our lives. Lord, we ask that your presence be amongst us so that we can feel your presence moving. Lord, stir our hearts. Allow us to be attuned to your word this morning. And we give you all the praise. And it's the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this particular portion of scripture um, is a climatic event in all of biblical history. The Israelites had waited for a long time. We know that they had waited for 40 years, but now the time had finally come. And it is a moving moment as the Israelites walk across the riverbed of the Jordan, open for them by the miraculous power of God. The waters were stirring but it was God who allowed them to be parted. And behind them, they leave the wearying decades of wandering around that barren wilderness and the tragic memories of the countless funerals that they've had to have for an entire nation of people who would not trust God, who would not trust his promises that he was going to be faithful to them. The slavery in Egypt and the survival of the nomadic life moving from place to place, those life experiences of the past. But this new chapter is now beginning to be opened before them. One of the Israelites had been waiting for and waiting for for such a long time. And before these people lay this land richer than any of their dreams could even fathom and more fruitful than their hopes, and more beautiful than their imagination could have ever dreamed up. Have you ever been to Disney World? Ever taken young people to Disney World? They think it's the most, you know, it's going to be this, you know, wonderful adventure, and they dream up what it's going to be like. But man, when they enjoy it, and you can see it on their face of the excitement that they feel, it's kind of like, I can't imagine it was like this, but I mean, that experience and that, that hope that they were longing for, it must have felt so surreal to the Israelites to finally stand in Canaan. Kind of like when we were 
taking our first steps into this chapel after it was finally finished. We had envisioned for it. We had planned for it. We had done everything that we possibly could. But then when you finally step foot into the space, into that final product, did your emotions soar? Some of us did. I remember a few people just had tears coming down their face because the emotions that came over them. To be the fulfillment of the ancient promise to the father of Abraham must have been overwhelming for the people, for the Israelites. Their joy had been magnified by the recent events as the Lord is, as they are carrying the Ark of the Covenant across. And when they arrived at the Jordan, they looked at the flood stage that was right before them. It was threatening in its speed. The waters were just rushing, and it was dangerous in its own state. And all around the Jordan, and it was kind of like a jungle all around them. The landscape was, uh, Rudy, you would not have been pleased with the jungle that was around there. But the jungle was all around the riverbed, and it was covered by this rapid current that was flowing through the Jordan. The river was impassable, scripture tells us that, and the crossing was impossible. But God intervened, performing a miracle that paralleled the miracle of the Red Sea that we find in Exodus. God rolled back those waters, the waters of the Jordan, just as he had done in the Red Sea. You see, God meant what he had said through Moses many years before. And here was his signature written all over his promise once again in the same way to assure his people that he was good and that his word was solid. Do you believe he is a good, good father? Do you believe him this morning that he is a good, good father? We have that new song that's on the radio. It says, you know, you're a good, good father. And it repeats it over and over again. I believe this morning that our father is a good, good father. And even more so, he is an awesome father who has a perfect plan in place. And I imagine that there were probably many songs and shouts as God's people worshiped and that as they praised him. But there was also one important act that calls for our attention this morning. After Israel had crossed over, God gave Joshua some very specific instructions recorded here in Joshua chapter 4, if you'll turn there again with me. Beginning in verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up those 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. You see, after the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua by telling him to take those 12 individuals, those 12 men from those 12 different tribes and commanding them to take those 12 stones and place them not on the side, left or right, but directly in the middle of the Jordan where the priest's feet were standing. 
Then Joshua did exactly what he was told, sending those select 12 men back to the riverbed of the Jordan where they brought back those 12 stones. Those stones that at one point were buried, that were unreachable, that were covered by a challenge to the faith of God's people were now divinely accessible. They were now where they could reach them. Those 12 men hoisted those stones onto their, heavy sh- onto their shoulders from the Jordan's floor and then piled them together in the promised land by God's command. They were stacked, probably not very succinctly, but they were stacked as a sign, an unmistakable marker at the very place where God demonstrated his power to overcome any obstacle to his will and to show that freedom can be found in him. Do you believe that this morning? That the ultimate freedom of our life is found in Jesus Christ. And because stones don't naturally stack, I have stones on our altar this morning, they don't stack and sink on top of one another. That there would one day come when the Israel's children would ask for an explanation of this phenomenon. And here's the answer to what God wants his next generation to know. He says, tell them the story. God says in verse 7, he says, of how the waters of the Jordan were cut off in the front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. And when it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan water was cut off. And then if you jump over to Joshua chapter 4, verses 23 through 24, it says this. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea. He dried up before us until we had crossed over. This is so that all the people of the earth, you and I today would know all the people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. This is what happens when the impossible meets the promises of our God. This is the outcome when the unlikely comes up against those glorious riches of God in Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as we continue to reminisce in the power of God and his faithfulness to us, I want us to ask ourselves this morning, what do these stones mean? What do these stones that spoke to the generations before, what do they mean to us today? And the first point I would like to make this morning is that freedom can be found and knowing that he is a faithful God. He is a faithful God. Seeing the rock pile and hearing the story, the people of Israel would know clearly that they had not crossed the Jordan on their own. They saw the rushing water. They knew that it was a dangerous place. And those stones cried out, God did this. God did this. By his hand, we have gone across this river and by his power and by his faithfulness we have accomplished what God had put out for us and so 
May this memorial stand to speak to us all. And this morning, let it remind us that unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor over it in vain. Let the hallowed act of our devotion come back to strengthen us. That is truly ours. Not by strength or by might, Scripture says, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. From start to finish, we have said, let God be all in this holy place, especially as we have rebuilt this place. We have said, God, let, let us let everything about this place, and as we dedicated this place back to the Lord last week, we dedicated each part that it may be used to further his kingdom. And from start to finish, we have said, God, let your holiness be in this place. What God began, he is willing and he is able to complete. We need not to ever assume, friends, that God will get us to a certain point and then stop what he is doing. Hebrews 13, 8 says, he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same God. Secondly, this morning, we can find that freedom can be found in our purpose. You might not feel like you have a purpose this morning, but I tell you this morning that God has a purpose for you. Joshua told Israel that the stones would serve as a reminder that all the people of the earth may know, may know that the Lord's hand is mighty. And so that we may always fear the Lord, our God. Let no one be confused, for we have one mission, don't we? We have the Great Commission. And this Great Commission to, is not just a building, and it's not just a memorial to us, but it's to him. We exist to know God and to be made known by him. Our building exists not to make us comfortable, as we heard last week. It's not to make us comfortable in our seats and to not just relish in the beauty of what surrounds us. But for God's glory and for the advancement of the gospel and following his will. When the children of God looked at that memorial of stones set before them, they were, um, were reminded that there is absolutely nothing that God cannot do. There is nothing that he cannot do. And I ask you this morning, what is sitting before you that you are needing the hand of God to take hold of so that you can fulfill your purpose in him? There is freedom in knowing the mighty hand of God, but not just knowing it, believing it, that he is powerful, that he has everything in the palm of his hand. We just need to seek and ask for his will to be done. And then thirdly this morning, freedom can be found in fearing the Lord. The stones out at the Jordan marked the movements of God among his people. They testified of the willingness of a people to leave what they had known in order to go with God, to face the challenges of their faith, to step into the water, to believe in what they could not see. This morning, there are many of us who have left a life that we once knew, amen? And praise God that we left that life. And he has given us our life, we have given our lives to the Lord. 
who by his power we have found freedom in this new life that he created for us. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, we know the scripture that says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen. The old is gone and the new has come. Some of us fear the future. Some of us have feared the future of letting go of what we have known and to reach out with open arms and open hands and say, God, I'm all yours. I'm all yours. And here this morning, God has given us this new view, a new place of worship, a heart full of new dreams and so much more. And we cannot yet see how God will accomplish the will of our heart's desire. But we, as the Salvation Army, we believe that he is a faithful God. As believers, we believe that he is a faithful God. And it's time for us to venture with God into the future as a corporate body of Christ and as soldiers of the Salvation Army. Look to those things that surround us here. One of those things being our salvaged cross, our poignant part of our worship. Things that point us to a memorial that is around us. Those 12 stones that were used in the New Testament, excuse me, in the Old Testament. This is all about God and all about his glory. It's about our missionary purpose. The Salvation Army as an international movement, we believe is an evangelical part of the universal Christian church, that its message is based on the Bible, and its ministry is motivated by the love of God. Its mission is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet human needs in his name without discrimination. Friends, this is why we exist. And these stones this morning as we have looked into God's word remind us God's people are to fear him. This does not mean that we're to be afraid of God, but rather we are to be in awe of him. When we receive a true revelation of God's majesty and his judgment against sin, we will follow him in faith while growing in the fear of our Lord. You know, a healthy fear of the Lord will keep us in a place where we enter into his presence and to look to him in our time of need. And this morning, we give thanks to God for our freedom. Do you give thanks to God for your freedom today? I can tell you when I entered back into the country just a few weeks ago, and I saw that welcome to the USA. If you've ever been out of the country and have stepped foot back onto soil and America, onto American ground, you give thanks to God for the freedom that is there because there's power there. There is so much that has been laid before us. And we give thanks for that freedom this morning. The freedom that we can find, not only in our nation, but most importantly, in Jesus Christ. Because of the ultimate sacrifice that he has given for you and for me. We are each a memorial to our Savior as we live a life that's devoted to him. This morning, I have some stones available on the holiness table. And there are some Sharpies available as well. And this morning, you might be needing some freedom in your own life. 
I don't know exactly what you might be struggling with or a situation that you need release from. But I'm going to, Bobby's going to come and he's going to play some music for us. And while he is playing, I'm going to invite you to come and I'm going to invite you to write what you need freedom from and lay it on the altar this morning. Just as the Israelites believed by faith that God would allow them to cross over the Jordan on dry land. Won't you this morning believe by faith, by surrendering your needs before the Lord, believing that God will make a way. He will make a way because he is a faithful God. And in our faithful God, we can find freedom in him. Won't you come this morning as your heart leads? and lay your stone upon the altar. continued their journey in chapter 5 their journey is continuing to unfold and when Joshua was near Jericho he looked up and saw a man before him drawn with a sword in his hand and Joshua went up and asked him are you for us or for you are for our enemies and neither he replied and he said but as the commander of the army of the Lord I have now come Then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence and asked, What message does the Lord have for your servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for this is the place where you are standing, is holy ground. That was a call of surrender, not only for Joshua, but for the people of Israel. And the Lord calls the same for us this morning. Wherever we need freedom, Wherever we need freedom, the Lord says, call on my name, for my presence and my Holy Spirit will be amongst you. The call to surrender comes by giving our hearts to the Lord, every part of us, and saying, Lord, 
Move within me. Allow me to release this to you. Allow me to find my purpose. Allow me to find freedom in my relationship, in my marriage, in my friendships, in my finances, with my children, whatever it is, Lord. We give that to you this morning.